Is same-sex attraction sinful? On this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Heath Lambert, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions to the problems that people face. In our contemporary culture, the problem of homosexuality is one that the church has been forced to address in unprecedented ways. Currently, one of the issues that the church is addressing is not just the problem of same-sex behavior, but the attractions and the desires that lead to that behavior. Our guest today to help us think through the issue of same-sex attraction is Dr. Denny Burke, who's a professor of biblical studies at Southern Seminary and their undergraduate institution, Boyce College. He's also the author of What is the Meaning of Sex, as well as the author of a forthcoming book called Transforming Homosexuality, Living Faithfully with Same-Sex Attraction. I'm glad Denny's here with us today to talk with us about this important issue of attraction and desire that precipitates same-sex behavior. Dr. Burke, what is same-sex attraction, and why is it sinful? Same-sex attraction is just what it sounds like. It's sexual attraction to persons of the same sex. If you listen to the medical authorities, they will define sexuality as one of three things. A person can experience attraction to the opposite sex. A person can experience attraction to the same sex or to both sexes. And they will locate people somewhere along that kind of a, a spectrum. Many people experience exclusive attractions to the same sex. Some people experience attractions to both. But the issue for us biblically as Christians is what do the scriptures teach us about our attractions and do the scriptures teach us how we're to think about this? And the answer is yes. Um, the answer is that our attractions have a moral component to them. And Jesus himself is perhaps the one who spoke the most clearly about this in Matthew 5 when he, he talked about the Ten Commandments, and in particular the Seventh Commandment, where he said, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, anyone who looks at a woman to desire her sexually has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And what Jesus was teaching us is that it's not just the doing of the sin that's a problem, it's the desiring of it. And so if you find yourself in any condition of desiring immorality or any kind of sinful sex, then that would be a sin and it would be an occasion for repentance. And so when you think about same-sex attraction, what same-sex attraction is, is a persistent kind of desiring of sexual contact with people of the same sex, which of course is prohibited in Scripture. And so same-sex attraction itself becomes an occasion for repentance, biblically speaking. This is a conversation that a lot of different Christians are happening in evangelicalism right now, and there is not complete agreement between evangelicals on it. Help us understand why it's so important to be having this conversation right now. Well, there is some disagreement about this. Some people who are Christians and who otherwise would be very close to us confessionally in terms of what they believe in their evangelical faith are having disagreements about this, and there, there's uh, kind of a sector within evangelicalism of folks who are saying, no, whereas we all agree that same-sex behavior, sexual behavior would be sinful, they would argue that same-sex attraction itself is not. You may have certain kinds of attractions, but those aren't necessarily sinful. They're not necessarily something you need to repent from. There are some within our movement who are saying that same-sex attraction can be used 
for good purposes. They can help you to achieve better emotional connectedness and relatedness to people of the same sex, even though you may be having a celibate lifestyle. They sort of use same-sex attraction as a, a pivot to holy ends, at least on their argument. And I, I would just argue that biblically, that's not a very helpful way to think about things. Same-sex attraction doesn't enable and enhance holy friendships. Same-sex attraction is an impediment to those things. Yes, we can have holy same-sex friendships. Yes, even people who struggle with same-sex attraction can have holy same-sex friendships. Those are able to happen, though, because they, they're repenting from and setting themselves aside from sexual attractions that are unholy. So I just want to be careful that we don't communicate to people that somehow unholy sexual attractions can be used for holy ends. That's great. Now, some people who are listening in on this conversation that Christians are having, they feel a little overwhelmed and they're going, okay, I feel drawn sexually to members of the same sex. And that's just a temptation, though. And I don't think it's right for you to say my temptations are sinful since we all face temptations and we're not always guilty of sin when a temptation comes. So help us think through the distinction between a temptation and sinful same-sex attraction. Well, we would certainly want to affirm that not all temptation is sin. The Bible teaches, Hebrews 4.15, that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. So he faced challenges that contained in them enticements to sin. And so when you think about what a temptation is, that's essentially what it is. It's some kind of a test or a trial that contains within it an enticement to sin. Jesus met those temptations like he faced in the wilderness, and they came to him as trials that were enticements to sin, but he never gave in to those temptations. So we know that it's possible to be tempted and yet not sin. The issue, though, is, and one of the things that distinguishes Jesus' experience from ours, is that Jesus was sinless. That's what Hebrews 4.15 says. He was without sin. That doesn't characterize our experience because the Bible says that we have been brought forth in iniquity and conceived in sin. We have a sinful nature. And so James chapter 1 teaches us that oftentimes our temptations emerge from within. And we have temptations that emerge from our own evil desires. James chapter 1 in verse 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own evil desire. So we face temptations arising from our own lusts. Jesus never faced that. So what does that mean? It means that sometimes there are dispositions, attractions, desires, things that are emerging from our own heart that are themselves sinful because we are sinners by nature. Jesus never faced those kinds of temptations. So we find ourselves having to repent of our own desires that come, sometimes come quite naturally to us as, as sinners. And so it's very important to understand the difference there that sometimes our temptations are not amoral. Sometimes there's a moral component to them, and we have to be able to discern that and, and turn from that when it happens. And I would just say that when we, we talk this way, we don't want to single out same-sex attracted people as if this is their exclusive experience. This is the experience of every sinner. Same-sex attracted or not, all of us, I'm not same-sex attracted, but I struggle with sins that emerge rather naturally from my nature. Mm -hmm. And when they occur and I'm aware of them, I have to repent of them. And we're just saying that same-sex attracted folks are in this boat with us. That's right. I've made reference to the conversation that Christians and evangelicals are having about this issue. 
But for so many people, this is not a conversation that people are having. This is a struggle that they deal with every day and have dealt with it for as long as they can remember. And they feel tormented by this same-sex draw. What would you say? You're, you're not just a Bible scholar. You're also a local church pastor. What would you say to someone who came to you and said, I am struggling. I know these desires. I know these behaviors that I'm tempted to are sinful. I want to honor Jesus with my life, both in heart and in behavior, but I feel overwhelmed. It's been with me for as long as I can remember. What do I do? What would you say to somebody like that? The first thing I would say is the very fact that you are willing to engage the struggle is evidence that the Spirit is alive and at work in you and that the grace of God is working in you. And just the willingness to show up to the struggle is the evidence that God is at work. The Bible says that we're supposed to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to act and to will, meaning to desire, according to his good pleasure. And so I just want to affirm them that, look, the desire to engage the struggle because you love Jesus is an evidence of grace. And that's a wonderful thing. So you should be encouraged by that. I would also want to tell them that same-sex attraction is a particularly difficult struggle, but they're not in this alone. And there are people who want to come in and help strengthen their hands to fight the good fight and to be faithful in following Jesus. I know a lot of same-sex attracted folks are, especially those who their attractions are exclusively same-sex oriented. There are some people who struggle with this who are able to be married and enter into a heterosexual marriage. There are some people who are able to do that, but some who that doesn't seem to be within the realm of possibility of the attractions they experience. And they feel like they're facing a lifetime of loneliness and just being isolated. And I want to say to, to those folks that that's not really what the scripture teaches. Yes, sometimes following Jesus requires taking up a cross. It requires difficulty and struggle, but that's what Jesus told us Christianity would would be. It's not just that way for, for them. It's that way for everybody. And you're not consigned to a lifetime of loneliness if you are a part of, of the family of God. Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in the present age houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. Jesus said there would be persecutions. There will be suffering in this life, but you also get a new family. And there is a vital connectedness to the family of God that happens for every single believer. And so same-sex attracted persons should not view that as a sentence to loneliness if they're pursuing celibacy in their life. There is a family for them to be a part of that has its arms wide open to them. You are listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. If you'd like more information on this topic of homosexuality, we are hosting a pair of conferences in October in Louisville, Kentucky, one on transgenderism and one on homosexuality. Dr. Burke will actually be a speaker at those conferences, and I'd invite you to find out more information at biblicalcounseling.com.